Welcome to Wound Care Conversations, a podcast from Coloplast Professional. Wound healing can be complex, and here at Coloplast, we want to make life easier and simplify wound healing. Through this podcast series, you'll hear from our expert tissue viability nurses as they bring to life their extensive wound care knowledge and experience. Utilising the Coloplast three-step approach of assess, prepare and treat, you'll hear from fellow healthcare professionals and experts across a variety of roles within healthcare as we discuss all things wound care from etiologies to service improvement. Hello and welcome back to Wound Care Conversations. I'm Charlie Pick and I'm here today with Sam Wharton and we're going to talk to you today about leg ulcers and the burden of leg ulcers on the NHS. So Sam, the cost to the NHS for leg ulcers is absolutely phenomenal. It is. And I think when you look at the statistics and and what's out there, it's estimated that there's 739,000 leg ulcers in the UK being managed within the healthcare service. And, you know, when you're looking at the costs of that, it's around £3.1 billion per year, which obviously places a significant burden on the NHS. And for me, it's not just that cost to the NHS in terms of money, it's that cost to the patients and their quality of life. So, yeah, significant burden to the NHS. We know that most leg ulcers occur due to venous insufficiency, and there's robust evidence to support the use of compression therapy to manage that. But through my experience of working within the field of tissue viability for 13 years, although we know that's the treatment and the plan of care those patients need, often they don't receive that. So obviously when you're thinking of the burden of wound care, it's patients not getting the appropriate compression that they they need to heal those wounds. And I think following the study from Julian Guest in 2012-2013 that really highlighted what many of our us tissue viability nurses knew, that it was sort of the unseen burden. Mm-hmm. Um, no one was really that interested in leg ulcers. Um, it often didn't get the publicity or the focus within trusts because no one really understood the impact it had. Absolutely. And I think that's why the National Wound Care Strategy Programme have really Honed in on their on on leg ulcers and and they've they've separated out the lower limb now. So we did have recommendations just for the whole of the lower limb, and when we now have the two recommendations for the leg ulcer recommendations, and then for the foot as well. So um, from the the National Wound Care Strategy Program and and the new recommendations that have been released, Sam, what do you think are the key points from the National Wound Care Strategy and, and what they're recommending in relation to leg ulcers? Well, I think it's really interesting. I think it's such a positive thing that these recommendations, these groups were put together because it's about streamlining and ensuring that it's not that postcode lottery. It's making sure that Patients are getting the right care wherever they they live, uh, whichever services they're going to, they should be getting it. So it's about that standardisation. And I think one of the really uh, big differences that came out of the National Wound Care Strategy guidelines was that sort of that first aid yeah. where clinicians had could give that initial reduced compression, you know, that 20 millimetres of mercury can be applied on patients if they're not presenting with any of the red flags. And that's really sort of groundbreaking because 
there was always that that fear, trepidation about putting compression on or putting any sort of support onto a leg until you'd done that full lower limb assessment, including that ABPI. So I think that was really, really good. Although I think in practice, it's still not being embraced as much as it could be. I think there is still fear and people still have, have concerns about putting that sort of first aid on. But I think over time, it will, will improve. So that it's given us quite clear guidance on what to do when we have a, a patient with a lower limb wound or, or a leg ulcer and what for clinicians they need to do immediately for that patient. Um, but you mentioned red flags with regards to applying compression. What are the red flags and why do we need to be cautious uh, when we're applying compression in those patients? There are six red flags within that document. Uh, the first one is that sort of acute infection. So um, increasing erythema, swelling, pain, pus, heat, you know, all those signs of acute infection, any signs of uh, sepsis, uh, acute or suspected chronic limb, limb ischemia. Also, there's deep vein thrombosis. If that's suspected, then you, you wouldn't apply the compression. Suspected skin cancer and any bleeding varicose veins. So if your patient presented with those, then obviously you'd be referring them on to another specialist team to get the appropriate help. Um, and support. But if they haven't got any of those signs, then straight away, you can put them into that reduced compression. So I know that lots of trusts are looking at getting um, hosiery in place so that Mm -hmm. then it's readily available to put on so that then, like we know from the burden of wound care studies, lots of HCAs care for patients and provide that wound care treatment. So actually, if you're using a hosiery kit, or a hosiery stocking, then that 20 millimetre smoker can be put on straight away by clinicians. And so that's your initial first aid. Then what happens after you've put that initial 20 millimoles of mercury on via your compression hosiery, then then what's the next steps? So then within uh, 14 days, obviously you, you would aim to try and do it sooner than that. You would do your full lower limb assessment the most appropriate clinician with the skills would carry out an ABPI, so your ankle brachial pressure index. And then if those readings are sufficient, then you would go straight to the full compression, which is the therapeutic compression of 40 millimetres of mercury. Obviously, you would still assess that, that patient moving forwards. We've talked a little bit about the first aid and then the need to make sure that a full lower limb assessment is, is done two weeks later or within two weeks of that. Do you think um, in practice at the moment that those timeframes are realistically being met? Uh, No, from from what I've seen out in practice, there is still a bit of delay. So for example, in relation to GP practices, where I live, my husband, he had an accident and he needed some compression hosiery. And unfortunately, when he went to the surgery to see the practice nurse, they didn't have the appropriate equipment um, and he was just put on a list. So, you know, this is this is hitting home. This is the actual reality of it. So he was being put on a list waiting for a piece of equipment in that surgery to then be able to assess him to get the treatment that he needed. I've had other people because of obviously people often find out that you deal with wounds and Mm -hmm. you know whenever you go on holiday you never want to say you're a (laughs) nurse because you get every ailment given to you but um you know when people find out you do wounds they sort of say oh I've had this on my leg for this lot and you sort of your first question is have you had a a lower limb assessment Assessment. has someone had a look have you had that 
that machine that listens to your pulses? And unfortunately, a lot of the time, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, this isn't clinician bashing, but this is the reality of yeah. what, what you sort of, you see and you hear and, and the conversations you have. Also, you'll have patients that came into the complex wound clinic that we used to run and, and you know, they'd had a fall and a skin tear and even on their referral to the clinic, it was still, it was a skin tear from a fall. It was never that, that connection of actually there's a wound on a leg. Mm-hmm. It needs the appropriate care instead of thinking of it as just a, a isolated traumatic wound. Mm-hmm. Those are just a couple of examples. So I think, you know, it's definitely getting so much better. When I first came into tissue viability, you had a few clinicians that were really, really interested in, in lower legs, but it just wasn't on the radar it wasn't given the time the money the focus so it was always sort of just unseen I suppose the burden that was there from what you've just said that really highlights that need for the the assessment not just that lower limb assessment but that full holistic assessment of that patient to really understand what is going on we're very good aren't we as clinicians in looking at a wound and understanding why it's been caused has it been caused through trauma has it been caused through something else but we aren't not everybody and I'm I'm not tarring everyone with the same brush but we often aren't that good at then moving that wound on in regards to its diagnosis so like you just said about a skin tear on a lower limb how long has that wound been there for and actually have we now got a leg ulcer and not just a skin tear on that lower limb and it's really interesting that you talked a little bit earlier about um, healthcare practitioner confidence. The areas that I worked in, we were really lucky in that we had a leg ulcer uh, service. So as GP practice nurses, as community nurses, we didn't get too heavily involved with our leg ulcers because they were referred to the leg ulcer clinic and they would see patients in a clinic and they would also visit patients at home. So that sort of skill was very much taken away from from that group of nurses because we were lucky enough to have a specialist service. But are we de-skilling our nurses with these specialist services? Because would we be able to give more care, better care, if more people were more aware of how to look after these wounds? I think that is a really good debatable question, Charlie. And I think when I worked in the hospital where I used to used to work, you know, we did de-skill quite a lot of our staff on the ward. They did become less confident with anything to do with wounds and especially leg ulcers. So as a tissue viability nurse, where I know that compression therapy is required to heal these patients, we were actually unable to do the correct treatment because we didn't have the staff with the skills and the competency to do that correctly. So as a tissue viability nurse, I was advising that they just put a support bandage on rather than the correct treatment that we knew would have progressed that wound much, much better. But then, you, you know, how how are you going to skill a whole hospital I agree. When, when they're not exposed to it consistently? Because you could put on training and you could educate people in, in lower legs and get them um, having the confidence to apply bandages, but then if they didn't have another patient for four four months and then another one presented, how would they have those skills? Which is why I think it's really, really, really good that in the National Wound Care Strategy Programme, the first line sort of compression technique is using those hosiery kits because you can then 
have confidence that those clinicians are able to put on the hosiery kits to provide the therapeutic compression uh, with maybe not those bandaging skills um, that are a bit more specialised. And just picking up on the on the hosiery kits, do you think this is something that we need to utilise more where it's appropriate to do so? Um, because I know we've, throughout my, my years as a qualified nurse, 15 or so years now, it's sort of come into fashion to use bandages more frequently than it was hosiery and then we went back to bandages and I think especially as we're now trying to move patients towards supported shared care hosiery has a huge place for patients with leg ulcers and being able to care for their their leg ulcers with the support of a community nurse or a practice nurse or a a leg ulcer specialist nurse rather than having that nurse do all, all the treatment for them. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you look at the statistics, there's a lot more younger people with lower leg ulcers now and a high proportion of them need to go out and work. Can you imagine if you're trying to hold down a full time job, but you're trying to get a clinic appointment? Uh, We all know the struggles in trying to get appointments now. The systems are are very, very full and and being able to manage a, a full time job or if you've got young children and you're trying to get them to school, pick them up, go on the nursery run, plus trying to manage the leg ulcer clinic appointments. So absolutely, I think there's a real, real need for patients to have that ownership um, and be able to self-manage and and be able to have the tools and the resources to know when to ask for help, Mm -hmm. but actually be able to manage it themselves. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, I think hosiery kits are really good. And especially for the clinicians as well, like I said, if you're using a hosiery kit, you know you're getting the right amount of compression at the right place. Bandaging is very subjective to the clinician that's applying it and how well trained they are and confident they are on applying those those bandages. And also with hosiery kits, the, the patient has a bit of ownership as well. So they're able to take their outer layer off at night time mm-hmm. or you know it just gives them it's that compromise isn't it you're allowed to compromise a bit more with that patient and give them some more options to their treatment hopefully ensuring that they'll be more engaged and more willing to carry on with that treatment it gives them that independence doesn't it and the opportunity to be more involved with their care so if they are using a hosiery kit like you say and are able to remove that outer layer at night it gives them that degree of decision making as to whether they decide they want to keep the full hosiery kit on all night or whether they want to remove that outer layer. So I think using hosiery is definitely, you know, the way forward. And I know the National Wound Care Strategy Programme are encouraging the use of hosiery and wraps where appropriate to do so. I think for healthcare professionals as well, like you say, it will be so much easier for them. And we know that they are getting the right amount of compression as opposed to bandaging, which, as you said, is very subjective and all depends on your training, how competent you are, how often that you are applying these bandages. So I think hosiery has been massively underused over the the years. And I think it has definitely got its place now, especially with the way that things are moving within the NHS and that that supported shared care element that we're we're trying to put into place. Yeah. You're listening to Wound Care Conversations from Coloplast Professional. You can explore more of the educational material Coloplast Professional offers specialist nurses and healthcare professionals on our website, coloplastprofessional.co.uk. 
we still know that a lot of the leg ulcers that present will have that edema that needs to be moved initially first with bandages and clinicians often just don't have that confidence. So I think we train, we educate, but often the clinicians still just have that fear, that anxiety around leg ulcers. I think, you know, you will have that fear that you're going to put it on and then you're going to cause damage to the patient, you know, that you're going to cause ischemia to the limb. Mm-hmm. Um, you sort of have these nightmares about things. I mean, I, I started off as a community nurse when I first qualified as a nurse. I went out into community and doing the leg ulcer course, it was sort of part of the leg ulcer course was, you know, you needed to do this really robust lower limb assessment because if you didn't, X, Y, Z could happen. So so then you had quite a bit of a fear and being a community nurse, when you close that door and you leave that patient, the onus yeah. is you don't know what they're doing, but you also know that have you given them all the resources and what to do if anything is wrong? And, you know, I don't know any nurse that hasn't had that two o'clock in the morning, wake <laughs> up thinking, oh God, <laughs> is everything going to be all right? Yeah. Sort of gut drop, oh mm-hmm. God. And, and you know, it, over time with confidence, the more you do it, the more you realise that it's not as as horrific as as you get told in your training but i think you know there there is that lack of confidence with that lack of confidence you know that also can impair the lower limb assessments that are done and so the national wound care strategy have recommended that we don't use these automated doppler systems now to assist with that full lower limb assessment what do you how do you think that's going to be perceived? Um, because I know lots and lots of trusts, lots of community bases, etc., have bought automated Doppler systems so that uh, some of their other staff, their healthcare assistants and things can be carrying out um, some of these lower limb assessments. So how do you think that's going to have, what sort of effect do you think that's going to have on, on the service that we can deliver for patients with leg ulcers? I think we are turning a specialist skill into a task again so we're just we're just putting it as a tick box task when actually when I saw patients with leg ulcers I would see them walk in I would get that clinical history I would look at the signs I would look at both their legs and generally I knew if it was going to be venous arterial or mixed in etiology because of the skills that I have I learned over the years and I think you then listen to the pulses. It tells you, you, there's lots of elements to it. It's not just a put a machine on, switch it on and get a result. Mm-hmm. You, sh- you need to do that whole holistic assessment. You need the skills and the competency to be able to pick up on all the other parts of it and build that history and that story around the patient so you've got all information. I think if we start making it a task where it's just putting a machine on and getting a result, Yes, there's human error, but I think with machines, you can get more errors. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you haven't got any understanding of what you're looking at, any understanding of the signs that you should be checking for, then you could quite clearly get a patient that comes in, but their results are okay, and you could do some real, real damage by putting inappropriate compression or treatment on a on a patient that quite clearly if you had those additional skills, you would have picked up on way before you get to that stage. So in relation to leg ulcers and the National Wound Care Strategy Programme guidance, where do you think the Coloplas three-step approach of assess, prepare, treat fits in? So assess, prepare, treat fits really nicely. So I think, you know, when you're doing that full holistic assessment of the patient, you're looking at 
the patient their own comorbidities, what medication they're on. You're looking at their psychosocial factors. So you're looking at their environment. You're looking if they've got any depression. And then you're looking at that wound bed, wound edge and periwound skin. And like I say, if you've got some the skills or some skills within wound care, by covering all of those, you will generally know the etiology of that leg ulcer. And then you're just confirming it with your your other diagnostic test. So then when you move on to the prepare, you know, by optimizing that wound bed, uh, removing any barriers to wound healing, and then moving on to your treatment. So, you know, if you've got the compression, if you've got a patient with a venous leg ulcer, and you're putting them into therapeutic 40 millimeters of compression, then you're dressing, or basically, you just have to choose something that's going to manage the exudate and protect the periwound skin. Mm -hmm. And it's all so simple if you've done every step correctly and thoroughly. So it's like a cycle, isn't it? That you need to do your assessment, you do your preparation, you might do a reassessment after your preparation, and then you do your treatment, and then you'll do a reassessment. So it's a continuous cycle until that patient is healed. And actually, uh, there would be an argument for a patient that has, that has had a, le- a, a venous leg ulcer, that that doesn't just stop there once that wound has healed, you then need to continue that preventative care. Absolutely. And it's having those conversations right at the beginning. And another thing that really I think we don't focus on enough is informing the patients about why they need compression. Mm-hmm. You know, often people walk in with a wound on their leg and they literally just want to give you their leg. They want you to sort it out and then give it back to them at the end. But we need to engage with our patients. We need to have that partnership. We need to discuss treatment plans with them. We need to explain to them why they need the therapy that they do. You're going to get much more compliance and concordance with the treatment that you're you're suggesting that they take. And, you know, we've got different bandaging systems. We've got wraps. We've got hosiery kits. And it's having those conversations with your patients so that they've got some decisions on mm-hmm. how they want their wound their leg managed so leg ulcers like lots of other wounds we can make very complex but it doesn't have to be that's the message that we're getting across there today you can make your life easier and and that of your patients by following these new recommendations by the national wound care strategy program following the advice that the national wound care strategy are giving to us as healthcare professionals and in turn hopefully make lives much better for our patients thank you for listening to wound care conversations to see more of the wide variety of content we have to offer please visit colloplastprofessional.co.uk see you next time Wound Care Conversations is a vibrant sound media production for Coloplast Professional.